Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. I'm excited to get back to Orlando this week for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I'll be serving in two roles. I've been an ambassador there, handling a few of the duties, the many duties that Arnold always did when he was hosting at Bay Hill. And I'll also be working this week for Golf Channel, my first uh, TV event of the year, which I'm excited about. My next event will be at the Drive Chip and Putt with all the kids at Augusta National, which has become my favorite event that I've been involved with in the game of golf. It's it's so exciting. But last week, we we saw a youngster win and an old-timer win. First of all, it was Sun Jm, the 21-year-old from South Korea, won his P- first PGA Tour event at the Honda Classic. And it's amazing how this young talent can sneak up on you. I'm sure a lot of people don't know who Sun Jm is, but he's in his second year on tour, had a fantastic season last year on tour, and actually played on Ernie Els' President's Cup team, representing the international squad last year. He's a 25th ranked player in the world, and he plays a lot. He plays a lot of PGA Tour events, and he's he's really good. He's solid from tee to green. I think the only question might be around the green. His stats show that he might struggle with maybe pitching or chipping or, or, or short game play, but he's young. He's going to be 22 later this month, but I think this kid has got a great future ahead of him. He's going to win a lot of tournaments. And over on the Champions Tour, I mentioned the, the old-timer, 62-year-old Bernard Langer won once again his 41st win on the Champions Tour. Hale Irwin holds the Champions Tour winning record of 45 tournaments in his incredible career, but Langer now has 41. Can he catch Hale Irwin at 45? Be interesting to watch that during the year. Langer's even admitted that competing with the young kids, <laughs> sorry, the young guys coming out at 50, 51, 52, Ernie Els, Retief Goosen, Darren Clark, Stricker, and don't forget, Jim Furyk and Phil Mickelson turned 50 this year. Going to be interesting to see how much they play, but it's also wonderful to see Langer continue to play so well. Can he catch Hale Irwin? Coming up on the podcast this week, my wife Jan joins me to talk about back when we were rookies. We didn't we didn't have a private plane. We didn't even have a commercial flight. We actually drove. Jan and I got in the car and we drove from tournament to tournament. She tells a cute story about about breaking down in the uh, the beautiful yellow Caprice Classic that my my mom actually gave us to drive on tour. So that'll be fun to be able to hear from my wife, Jan. So stay with us. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in I don't know if your body hurts like mine, but I look back over my PGA Tour career and I actually used to run two or three miles a day. I can't even imagine running today. I used to go to the gym. I used to lift weights. I used to, on the treadmill and the elliptical, I was, I wouldn't say I was in every day, but I was in probably two or three times a week. Nowadays, these players have taken it to the, to the next level. They're in 
they're in the gym twice a day on competitive round days, which is which blows my mind. But now that I'm 65 years old, I've had a couple of hip replacements and a knee replacement and back surgery. I hope you can't relate to this, which would mean uh, you're, you're in, still in pretty good shape. But if you do relate to this, I've got to share with you something. My daughter, Kristen, who's a, who's a doctor, she told me that she heard of this new group popping up called Stretch Lab. And she said there was one up in Mount Kisco, New York, where, where she lives. So I decided to take a, uh, take a chance. I went up and I had an appointment. Well, I, I'm hooked. I have now been going to the Stretch Lab here in Portland, Oregon, as well as uh, in New York. And I go in a couple times a week and I get stretched. Now, obviously, we get stretched in the PGA Tour fitness van, and it's an essential thing, but these guys stretch me like I've, I've never stretched before. And as a result, I feel much better. I feel like I've got a little bit of a, a spring in my step. I feel like my golf game has gotten a little bit better. So the moral to this story is if your body hurts, like mine, maybe start looking at doing more stretching, a little bit more intense work with with a stretching technique or a stretching regimen. I think it's going to surprise you. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that Rory McIlroy said that he is no longer interested in joining the new proposed World Golf Tour. What are they calling it? The Premier Golf League, the Professional Golf League, the same type of league that was proposed back in the early 90s when Greg Norman floated the idea about taking the top 50 players in the world, having them compete on a regular basis at 25 or so tournaments around the world, literally around the world, in all parts of the globe. And I was glad to see that Rory just said, nope, I'm out, I've got no interest. Because he made a point that he would lose his autonomy. He would have to play every event, and that's one of the the requirements, is every player that joins this new tour would have to play every tournament. Well, within reason, clearly, if you're injured and you can't play, you don't play. But then that begs the question, if you are injured, and you can't play. Does that mean you forfeit your membership? Do you drop off this new tour? And then the next question is, how do you get on this new tour? Do you qualify? Don't forget, you'd have to rescind your PGA Tour or European Tour membership, which I think is a disastrous decision to make because all these players on the PGA Tour and around the world, they've, they've achieved their status and achieved what they've done in the game of golf, thanks in part to organizations like the PGA Tour and the European Tour and the Japan Tour, et cetera, et cetera. So to turn your back on these organizations, I think it would be would be the wrong move. I think it would be it'd be terrible for the game of golf. Now it's clear that these players would love the big money. Can't blame them on that. But what's it doing for the game of golf? Is it doing anything to help the charities in the communities we play? Is it doing anything to help juniors get into the game? Is it doing anything to promote the game? I don't think it is. I think it's all about the money. I'm a huge fan of the PGA Tour and the European Tour and all these professional tours and organizations around the world. They've been been doing this for 40, 50, 60 years, and they know what they're doing. So 
do changes need to be made? Yeah, I'm sure that there are some adjustments and alterations that need to be made to the existing structure of professional golf around the world. That's fine. Let's take a look at that. But we don't need to destroy these great organizations in order to make these changes. So just a few more thoughts on that. Congrats to Rory. Thank you for that because I think this is an awful idea and I hope it dies a quick death. I'm so proud now to be joined by my beautiful wife, Jan, who has been by my side now for almost 43 years. And honey, back when we started the tour, we didn't have the money to fly. So we drove in our car for about two years. And we had some pretty exciting times. And I know you have a story about the most dramatic breakdown we've ever had. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay. I remember driving. I don't know what the story was. It's a jungle in here and we all know it. So there were some crazy stories driving on the PJ Tour by a lot of golfers. But we had a one crazy one, honey. Why don't you tell me about it? All right. We were driving from New York to Portland, Oregon, and we broke down in Lyman, Wyoming, got the car off the freeway and down the off-ramp, and just sat there with our dog in the car with us, Choco, having no idea what to do. Of course, no cell phones, nothing like that. And I think it was uh, 1977, probably the fall of 1977. So we're just sitting there, and all of a sudden, this truck driver comes by, stops, gets out or, or opens his window and says, you know, you kids need some help. And Peter says, yeah, yeah, we do. Can you give us, give me a ride into the closest town? He goes, yeah, I'm going in there, hop in the car, come on. And I say, well, I have my dog. He's like, that's okay. So we're, I'm getting out of the car and Peter stops and goes, wait, wait, no, you can't come. You have to stay here. And the truck driver's like, what? Why does she have to stay there? He goes, because my golf clubs are in that car. <laughs> now, <laughs> it, it, this was a different time back in 77. So you really didn't have thoughts of, of yeah, road yeah. rage I don't or know what any problem. But I'm telling you, I was not a happy camper. But I stayed. The dog and I stayed there protecting his golf clubs for about probably an hour and a half. I don't think I could even turn the car on. And it was really hot. And we're walking around in the desert. And, you know, he came back for me. So happy ending. Yeah, that was just a few years ago. I do remember getting out, getting in the truck and going into a garage. And Lyman, Wyoming is not the capital of Wyoming. It is not a big town. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do. We really were panicked because, as you said, there's no cell phones. We were stuck. We're on an off-ramp in Wyoming with hardly any money in our pocket. So I left Jan on the side of the road and went into the garage, and they agreed to come back and tow the car to the garage and fix it, but we had no money to pay for it. No, we didn't. Well, they wouldn't take our credit card. I have no idea why, but they wouldn't take the credit card. So you had to call your father and get him to wire money to the bank account of this garage in Lyman, Wyoming, before they would fix that car. But they did fix it, and we got on our way, and my golf clubs were safe. Yes, they were. You were safe, and of course, the most important passenger in that car was your dog, Choco. He was safe. Yes, she was. She was. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let
originally from Portland, Oregon, and I'm a proud University of Oregon duck, and I love being from the Pacific Northwest, but when all three of my children went east for college, I knew I needed to change things up. I wanted to get back into their same time zone. So after an extensive search, my wife and I ended up in the Naples, Florida area, but I wished I'd had Golf Life Navigators to help me make that decision. Golf Life Navigators is like Match.com meets Zillow. It's the only place you can go to uncover your ideal golf lifestyle. So go to GolfLifeNavigators.com and fill out the ProGuide 3 questionnaire. It will ask you all the pertinent questions like, where do you want to live? Or how do you want to experience your golf? Then it matches you to golf clubs and you get to choose which one has the best environment for you. Look, I, I really don't understand the internet or how it works, but it's so easy even I can figure this out. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. It's always a great pleasure to get back to the Arnold Palmer Invitational and celebrate what Arnold meant to the game, what he meant to us players, not only as a, an ambassador and a sportsman, but certainly as a player and an architect. So many things that he left his imprint on in the world. But it got me thinking about the statue, the new statue that was unveiled right after Arnold's death at Bay Hill, right behind the 10th tee or right adjacent to the 10th tee at Bay Hill. It's got a beautiful statue of Arnold all the way through and it was follow through and kind of a wild finish. And I started thinking to myself, there have to be other Arnold Palmer statues at golf courses, certainly in this country, but maybe around the world. So I jumped online and I started doing some research. And this is what I've come up with so far. Uh, obviously, the one at Bay Hill. There's also one on the first tee at Laurel Valley in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. I've actually seen it. I've taken pictures with friends with it. There's also another Arnold Palmer statue at a golf course that he designed in Palm Springs, California called the Tradition. There's a statue of Arnold at his alma mater, Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. There's also a statue of Arnold at a golf course that he designed down in Myrtle Beach called Myrtle Beach National. And there's five statues of great players at the Augusta Museum of History in Augusta, Georgia. I didn't know this. I wasn't aware. But next time I get to Augusta, I'm going to go see this. There are five statues of great players. Bobby Jones, Jack Nicklaus, Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, and Arnold Palmer. In fact, those five names, incredible, incredible players, but incredible people. And then the one that I found that is international is at the Tralee Golf Club in Ireland. So that's all I've found so far. If anybody has any thoughts on that, or they know of another Arnold Palmer statue somewhere in the world, please let me know because Arnold Palmer, he may be gone, but he's not forgotten. And he's certainly very much like all these other great players in the game, someone who should be remembered and celebrated for many, many years. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?